How are we doing out there? We're doing good. It's a, it's a beautiful day, right? Who likes, you know, seven degree weather in February? A few of you guys do. Not the skiers, of course. So last week we, uh, we talked about communion, right? We were reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, I'm just going to hit some of the, the points of what we kind of talked about um, one of the big things when we're doing communion is that it's reminding us of whose we are, okay? We're God's children and the importance of what Jesus did on the cross for us, right? Okay? And then there's also this lovely verse in verse 27, which we're going to kind of hit again today, um, where it's talking about that we need to examine our hearts, right? We don't just take communion not really thinking about what this is that we're going to do. We're going to do communion at the end of service again. But before taking communion, we want to we want to think about is there unforgiveness in our hearts, right? Have we been unkind to people? Is there things weighing us down? All those things. It's really really important that we deal with those things before we partake in communion. Okay. And for me, one of my biggest holdbacks, I would say, was that I always kind of found that if I did communion more than once a month, it would become a ritual, right? It would become something that's not as important. Um, but again, it's about posturing our heart. Where's our heart at when we're doing communion, okay? And I brought up this lovely whiteboard. If you guys remember my amazing drawing, I drew this lovely bullseye on it, all right? If you were here, you won't forget it because it was so beautiful. But I had this bullseye right in the middle, right? This big black dot, and that's our focus. Our main focus was going after deeper with God, right? More intimacy with God. And we have all these distractions all the time. Right? There's all these things trying to take us away from our bullseye, from our main point, what we're living for. But communion brings us back to that bullseye. Communion realigns our heart with God's, right? For you guys that were here last week, you guys all remember that, of course. That's when you shake your head. Yes, Adam, that was really, really good. So today, we're going to read from, we're going to start, I got several different verses for you. We're going to read from Luke 22 to start off. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open up or open up your, your app on your phone, whatever works for you. Uh, Luke 22, verse 19 and 20. I realized last week I didn't kind of hit one of the, the basics of communion. I wanted to start off with that this morning, okay? Um, where do we go here? Luke 22, 19. And so I'm going to read it out for you guys. He said, he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So one of the elements in communion is the bread, right? We always take crackers here, but it's that breaking of Jesus' body. Okay, so you're like, Adam, I'm new to the church, or maybe I just became a Christian, or maybe I'm not even, I don't even know what I believe yet. It's important to know what this actually is, right? That it's the... It's Jesus' body, right? It's being broken on the cross for us. Okay, verse 20. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So I fill mine up with juice. As Mary just says, she does red wine. I'm not that adventurous. Um, but I do juice for mine, right? But it's that resembling of Jesus' blood that's been poured out for us. Okay. So Luke 22, verse 19, it says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Say remembrance for me. You've got to say it again because you need to remember that you remember that word, okay? Communion is remembering what Jesus did on the cross for us, right? Remembering what Jesus did on the cross for us. 
how quick do we forget things? I don't know if that's just a guy thing, a married guy thing, a father thing, just an Adam Ryan thing, but I forget things super fast. Amy, my, my wonderful wife who's at home with Malachi, our second oldest who's sick today, but like she'll tell me something, and within like 30 minutes, I've already forgotten what she's asked me to do, right? It's not like I'm trying to be a bad person. I'm trying to be really good. I'm trying to be a good husband, but there's just this, this thing in me. I get distracted so easy. She'll be like, oh, can you, when you're going downstairs, can you go put the, the clothes and the washing into the dryer? Is that a hard task to do? No, it's not difficult. I know how to do that. I'm 36 years old. I can, I can handle taking wet clothes from a washing machine and put them into a dryer. But do you think I could remember to do that when she's asked me how to do it or to ask me to do it? Of course I can't, right? I forget these things all the time. My kids inherited my gift of forgetfulness. I bless my kids, all four of them. I bless them, but they have inherited my gift of forgetting things. It's like, guys, go clean your room. You walk by the room like 20 minutes later. Do you think it's done? Of course not, right? It's like, okay, can you guys put away your toys outside? When you guys are playing inside, put away your shovels and all that stuff. You look outside, what's in your front yard? A whole bunch of shovels and broken hockey sticks. I'm like, guys, I asked you like four times to put your stuff away. Do you think they would remember to do it? No, and I'm like, man, I've told you guys a million times. Parents, have you told your kids something to do a million times, right? And it's like, that's an exaggeration probably, but it doesn't feel like that in the midst of your battles. It's like, I've actually, I think I've told them a million times to put their stuff away, but doesn't seem to get through them. So if anybody here has a good way of dealing with that, of getting your kids to remember to put things away, you can come tell me at the end, okay? We love testimonies in this room, right? Who here likes testimonies? We love hearing testimonies. I love hearing testimonies where it's like, it's done, complete it. But I also love hearing testimonies where it's just like, we're in the midst of your battle yet, right? Sometimes we don't give those enough credit that we think a testimony has to be all said and done. You've already had to see God's victory in it. But testimonies, I know like Jonathan Puddle and myself, we like to call them messy testimonies. We're like, God, you're still in the midst of it, but I'm trusting you for this victory, right? We love hearing testimonies in here. And... We just started doing this online is we wanted people to record their testimonies for us because it's so crucial for us that when we're struggling is to go back and hear testimonies, right? It's just like, you know, I told you last week, I've been having a rough couple of months, just like my joy has been gone, you know, just been, you know, just not that joyful person. And this one night we just had some leaders in my in our room and we were just talking about how amazing like this four years of Catch Fire has been, how good it is. But we started talking about all these amazing testimonies of people's lives being transformed, people being healed, all these things. And, you know, at the end of that, I felt amazing. It was just like it was a remembering of what God has done in this place. And that's only in this place, right? That's not even going outside of these four walls. Right, when we hear testimony of what God does, of the goodness of God, what does that do inside of you? In the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your battle, hearing a testimony is going to encourage you, right? It's going to build your faith. You guys are with me, right? So remembrance is a vital role in our Christian walk. Okay, so say that to yourself. Remembrance is a vital role for my walk. And that's what communion is. It's remembering of what Christ did. It's remembering what Jesus did on the cross for us. Isaiah 53, so again, I'll give you a second here to, to open that up. Isaiah 53, going to read verses 3 down to the end of 5 here. Yes. All right, verse 3. 
He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces. He was despised and he held in low esteem. Verse 4, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Pretty much could read that whole chapter of Isaiah. It's such a powerful chapter. It's a prophetic word of what was to happen, right? So the importance of remembering is that were we there at the cross when Jesus went to the cross? We weren't, right? We have to remember what he did in order for us to kind of get hold of the importance of it, right? When you think of, um, even take Remembrance Day as an example, right? We weren't a part of those wars, but we do things in remembrance of it. Remember the lies that were given for us for our freedom, right? So the bread is that symbol of Jesus' life being broken for us. Okay. Also in verse 19, staying with me here, guys. Verse 19, it says, Jesus gave thanks for the bread. Okay, he gave thanks for it. Thankfulness changes us. All right, I'm going to get you guys to repeat a lot because I want you to remember all this stuff. Say, thankfulness changes me. Okay, thankfulness changes us. When we're going through hard times and we're depressed and all these things, right, we can complain about our issues a lot, aren't we? Can't we? We're good at that. I'm good at that, right? Thankfulness can be a challenge. It can be tough, right? It's, I find it's very easy for us to stay in this place where, you know, I like to kind of whine in my grumpiness, and I like to be, like, unhappy all the time, right? Brighton's crying, oh, my goodness, it's the end of the world, and I pout about it, right? I'm like, how hard is life all the time? But thankfulness changes us. Okay, I'm not saying God can't, um, you know, obviously bless us in, when we're complaining and we're having bad attitudes, right? But thankfulness really opens the door for a breakthrough, okay? Complaining holds us back from a breakthrough. Thankfulness opens the door for a breakthrough. And again, not that God can't bring a breakthrough in our complaining. I'm thankful that he can, but I'm saying it's probably a lot easier for God to bring a breakthrough when we live from a place of thankfulness, Right? All right, so I'm just going to touch on this quickly. Um, you have the old covenant, you have the new covenant, right? When we take the cup, it's, we're in a new covenant now, right? It's a remembrance of the new covenant. Okay, so old covenant, again, just to touch on this really quickly. Old covenant, we needed a mediator, right? We needed somebody to go to God for us. So a priest would go in for us, and there was the sacrificing of the animals, right? And I want you to think about that. So in the Old Testament, it was always a sacrificing of a lamb for your sin, okay? So whenever you sinned, you felt shame or guilt, you would need to sacrifice a lamb. Now, the lamb had to be what? It had to be spotless. It was, it was a prized animal. It wasn't just some old lamb that was just sitting in the back of your lot or anything like that. It had to be your prized one, Okay? It was spotless, flawless, okay? And now, so I think, you know, there's obviously this picture that you can think about that there's, this is a big ordeal when you had to t constantly take a lamb to get slaughtered, right? And I, and I apologize for being visually saying that or whatever like that. But again, 
there was this, you could see the cost of your sin happening, right? The constant slaughtering of a lamb. You would see it. You would physically see the cost of your sin, right? So sin shouldn't be taken lightly, okay? So sin shouldn't be taken lightly because then you would actually see the cost of it in the blood, right? So we need to be thankful for the new covenant, right? I don't know about you guys, but when I became a believer, when I became a Christian, and I was reading through the Bible, because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Read through the Bible, and I got through Deuteronomy, I got into Leviticus, and you're reading Leviticus, and it's like, oh my goodness, as a new Christian, I'm like, why am I reading this? Like, oh my goodness, like this is just, I can't, just just struggling to get through this, right? Are you guys with me, or am I the only one that struggled through that book? But at the end of it, you know, when you don't understand something, it's always good to take it to God, right? Because he has an answer, doesn't he? Right, when you don't understand something, because there's lots of things we don't understand, and that's okay, but you take it to him, because he already knows. And so I was like, God, like, why am I reading this? Like, what's the purpose of all this? And at the end of it, I just got this, this feeling of thankfulness, right? Of, I'm so thankful for the new covenant that, Jesus, you came and died on the cross for me, that your blood was poured out for me, that I don't need to live in the old covenant with the sacrificing of these animals, right? Because we just need to be thankful, so Jesus' blood washes away our sins. Um, Isaiah one eighteen, I believe it is, says that his blood is washes as white as snow, right? We're washed as white as snow. That's how he sees us now. Okay, and then you got Hebrews 4.16. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So back, going back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 27 uh, if you don't remember it, I'll say it again for you here. It, sa- it, sa- it says, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So when we hear that verse, when you read that verse, sometimes it can cause fear in people. They're like, oh, I don't want to do communion because I'm now afraid to, because all of a sudden... I didn't really have this, this view of communion. And this is saying, if I take it in an unworthy manner, there's, there's bad things that could happen, right? So the fear can come about. But thankfully for the new covenant, for Hebrews 4 that we just read, we can now come boldly and confidently to God, can't we? Right? And again, it comes back to the positioning of our hearts. You guys still with me? Good. I know this one's a, it's a heavier topic, right? But it's really, really important. Um, I like to think of it this way, too, that, you know, it's a beautiful exchange, right? It's a beautiful exchange that Jesus went to the cross, took our stuff, our shame, our sin, our sickness, our diseases. He took that. We got to exchange that And so if we're exchanging it, what do we get in return? We got his freedom. Amen? So we get to get rid of all of our stuff because of what he did on the cross for us, right? And you think about that. This exchange, this beautiful exchange that happens, that we get to get rid of all that stuff, all that stuff that's been holding you down, all that stuff that you've been living with, all that stuff from the past, right? All the stuff that we're not proud of, We get to exchange that for something so beautiful. Freedom, right? It's such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful picture. And so when you're thinking of 
what is communion? What am I remembering? That's part of it. Or that's what it is, right? Is that we're remembering this beautiful exchange that happens. And is that something to be thankful for? It is, right? So when you're in your home and you're like, Adam, I want to do communion in my home, but I really don't know what to say. I don't really know what to do. That's okay. It doesn't need to be complicated, right? We like to make things complicated, I think, a lot. And like, you know, if you're like me, it's like sometimes you just don't know the words to say. You know, there's, there's some simple verses that we can read, right? But it's really coming to this place where you're remembering what Jesus did for you. And that we are thankful for what he did for us. And that I get to exchange my stuff for his freedom. Okay? So blood is kind of the the purifier. In the Old Testament, you know, they would keep the blood and the fat of the lamb, right? And they get rid of the rest of the meat. And so when you think about that, it shows the importance of the blood. Because this... This animal, again, is a prized animal. Would have had a lot of good meat to it, right? So if you're a meat eater, you'll be like, what? We're getting rid of this meat. But again, it brings you to the importance of the blood, okay? So communion puts things in perspective for us. Um, I think I'm just going to touch on this again quickly. I don't want to stay here long, but it's, you know, hyper grace, right? Hyper grace. It's that, that saying that I can keep living the way that I want to live because I've already been forgiven, so I can keep sinning because Jesus died for me and I'm forgiven, right? Paul talks about it in Romans 6. And so if you want to look into that one a little deeper, you can go there, right? But, you know, again, communion puts things in perspective that when I sin, there's a cost to that, right? We may not see the consequence of our sin right there and then, right? If I sin, I may not drop dead right there and then, right? But communion reminds us that there is a cost to our sin. And Jesus paid that cost, right? And again, it comes back being, thank you, Jesus, that you took my punishment for me, right? All right, last verse here for you guys. Acts 2, 42 to 47. I'll read it out for you guys. Okay, so starting at verse 42. This is the early church, okay? So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So breaking of the bread is communion, eating together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily from people being saved. If I could get a Tim and Laura, if you guys could start filling up my communion cups for me, that would be amazing. We're going to do communion here in a bit. So the early church, they devoted themselves. All right, say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer and communion. If you think the early church was doing it, do you think it's somewhat important? Probably is, right? Okay? They would get together with glad hearts, you know, praising God together, right? There was a joy about getting together. 
and this is a whole other sermon, so I'm not trying not to go off on a rabbit trail on you guys, but there's a joy of getting together. I think sometimes in our society, we like to open up our curtains before we leave. Is anybody outside? we got to take a look. Are my neighbors outside right now? Because if they're outside, I'm going to stay inside until they're gone, and then I will go outside, right? When uh, Amy and I first moved to Kitchener-Waterloo, we were on, uh, and we were in Kitchener on the far side of Kitchener from here, and we, bought, we rented this house. It was a tall house, beautiful house. We liked it. But the neighborhood was so empty. You know, there was obviously lots of houses around. Everybody's house touched each other, of course. And we had a decent-sized backyard. But when you go up to your bedroom upstairs, you literally see into everybody's backyard. Like, there's, like, 15 backyards that you could see. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm a country kid. I grew up on a little hobby farm. I like getting out into the woods. I like kayaking. Like, you know, if you knew me when I was younger, you'd be like, yeah, Adam's not much of a city person. He's that kind of guy who would have like this rustic cabin in the woods kind of thing like that, you know? So for me moving to the city, I was like, God, this is you because this is the only way that I can be living door to door with somebody, right? And so I was just like, I had this bad attitude when we rented the house because I was afraid of everybody just looking down at me in my backyard. I was like, this isn't going to be restful. This isn't good. But, you know, summer came and nobody was in their backyards, Right? Nobody's walking out front. You never see anybody. And I would look from my, like, from my window, like, nobody's in their backyards. What's going on? Like, isn't this summer? Like, aren't we out on our patios and relaxing and stuff? And when summer go by, nothing. Next summer go by, same thing. Next summer go by, nothing. And I was just like, we moved into our neighborhood where we are now, and people are outside constantly. It's like you can't go outside without talking to people, which is actually really, really nice. You know, our kids are constantly outside playing with other kids because there's people constantly outside, right? So there's this joy when we get together, right? There's a joy when the body comes together. You're the body, I'm the body, right? There's a joy when we come together. There's a joy when we start praising God together. There's a joy when we take communion together, okay? So which is why I wanted a few of the connect groups to come up, because there's a joy when we come together, right? So my main focus for you, like my take home for you guys today is that, you know, programs are great. You know, having a food table is great. Having good coffee is really, really important to me, right? All those things are really good. But again, it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about him. Right? So more important than, than all the fancy stuff is that our hearts are 100% on him. What he's done, what he's doing. Right? And communion is the center of those get-togethers in the early church. When they were getting together, communion was the center of that. And so I think we need to get back to that place that we hold communion at a lot higher value in our lives, okay? Again, it's not a ritual just because you do it more than once a month. It's about posturing your heart and being thankful and remembering, okay? So we're going to go into communion here. Uh, So last week, we kind of, you know, I did an all right job maybe of trying to pass it around to you guys. Today, though, I'm going to invite you guys to stand up. You guys will make a couple lines. There's a table on the far side. There's a table over here, okay? And I will let you guys come up and grab your, your cracker and your cup. So I'm going to get you guys to stand up. We're going to pray here first. Because, again, we want to examine our heart before taking communion, okay? 
And so I just want to give you guys just a few moments here of examining your heart, right? Is there any areas in your, in your life right now where you're holding unforgiveness? Is there any areas in your life where you're holding unforgiveness where you're like, God, I need to forgive this person? Is there any area in your life where you've been unkind to somebody where you need to ask for forgiveness? Is there any area in your life where you've just been being weighed down so much by life? And you're like, Adam, I just need to, I need just to let this go. We want to deal with all those things before taking communion today, guys. So right now, just where you're standing, I just want to encourage you just to take a couple minutes and just give those things to God this morning. have a personal relationship with Jesus, I just again want to give this time that you you can just lay your heart out to him. Because again, he died for each and every one of those sins. you're ready, I'm going to invite you to go over to one of the tables there and grab a cracker, grab a cup, and then just make your way back to your seat. Um, So then you can kind of go at your own pace here, okay? So as you're ready, again, come up, grab a cup, grab a cracker. And then we'll pray together here in in a minute or two.
so you can again. You can stand or sit here, whatever you want to do. I'm going to read through some verses here, guys, and we'll take communion together, okay? So while they were eating, Jesus took the, took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. Eat it. This is my body. Father, right now, we just say thank you for your body right now, Father. We thank you that you took the punishment for each and every one of our sins. Father, we just declare healing in this room right now. If you're in need of healing this morning, we just declare healing by your stripes. We are healed this morning, Jesus. So, Father, we take this bread right now, Father, and we just say thank you. And we just remember what you did for each and every one of us this morning. Amen. And then he took the cup given thanks, gave it to them saying, drink it, all of you. So Father, right now, we just say thank you for your pure blood, Father, that's been poured out for each and every one of us. We thank you, God, that you are, Jesus, that you are the perfect sacrifice, Father. Father, we thank you for the new covenant that we can come boldly and confidently to you. thank you that this washes away our sins, Father, and that you see us as white as snow. So, Father, we take this right now, and we just remember again everything you did for us. Amen. here, guys. God, you, you know how important this is for each and every one of us, God. Father, I pray that you would just lay it on our hearts, the importance of doing communion. God, it goes so much deeper than what we've kind of covered these last couple of weeks, God. I pray as we continue to walk this out, God, you would just bring us new and just fresh revelation of what it means to do communion. And I also feel just to encourage you guys this morning that when you're doing communion at home, that it's communion is a really good time to be praying for your family, praying for your friends. Okay? Um, Bill and Benny Johnson, they wrote a great book uh, called The Power of Communion. And, you know, they've had a lot of people come against them in Bethel, right? And part of their communion sometimes is that they're just praying for people that are coming against them, right? They're blessing them. Uh, I love how they say it. They're like, we don't pray against them. We're praying for them. Right? They're praying a blessing over their family, a blessing for their, you know, their marriage, a blessing over their finances, right? It's a blessing. They're praying a blessing. 
Uh, so again, and who encourage you if you're in that place this morning too, where you know you have things coming against you. Just communion is an awesome time to be praying a blessing for those people as well. Okay.